still. The others, find them and tell them not to doubt. Even now, not to doubt. Tell them to keep their faith. They must keep faith. Welcome to the Defend Warren podcast here in the beautiful downtown Warren at the Sound United podcast studio. I'm here with a very honored guest, as all my guests are honored guests. <laughs> I'm here with an OG of OGs. I'm very happy to have him here. He's the founder of the Defend Youngstown project, is guess what I would call it. Sure. Mr. Phil Kidd, thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. I'm very excited. We've met. I've met you a couple times before, but it was more in passing because I would stop at your shop on Phelps when you had that down there and I'd get some t-shirts and and uh mugs and as a matter of fact and people listen to the podcast they're going to hear me say this a thousand times but my wife's from san diego her in-law my in-laws her parents will come to visit and her dad's very much a um he he loves ohio I, he just loves it he loves the blue collar attitude and all that and so i have a youngstown mug that i got from your shop and whenever they come into town he always drinks his coffee from that mug <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah i have my defend youngstown mug that you know while i'm in cleveland now that's what every single morning when i have my coffee it's still my defend youngstown mug so so i'm very excited i wanted a couple of reasons i want to bring you on is because i wanted to tell you what i'm doing but because it's Defend Warren, obviously very similar to Defend Youngstown. So I want to tell the guy, the man who started everything, why I chose this name. And then we can talk about why you did what you did and kind of share your story about that. But I always start with the first question because part of the process of, of what we're doing is getting to know people in the area. So I always start with where were you born and where'd you grow up? So I grew up in a small town about 20 miles west of Pittsburgh called Burgettstown, Pennsylvania. It's probably the best way to think of it would be it's almost the halfway point between like Steubenville and Pittsburgh if you were to just draw a straight line west. And uh, it's a, it was kind of a small commuter town for uh, either Pittsburgh and like largely um, the steel industry there, but then more specifically like Weirton and Wheeling area. Right. That's where a lot of my family worked. They worked in the steel mills there. Um, but that's where I grew up and um, I graduated from high school there. And uh, uh, we'll probably get into the whole Youngstown piece of it, how I ended up there. But um, yeah, generally that's, that's kind of where I grew up and in and around those cities as well, because my parents worked in like community development work. My mom does housing work in Western Pennsylvania. My dad worked for the county and did a lot of redevelopment projects there. So I spent a lot of time, not only in my, obviously my hometown, but Washington, PA, Cannonsburg, Weirton, all of those areas. So I'm pretty familiar with that area. I'm familiar as well. My, uh, back in the day, our, my church had a very active youth group and we had a club basketball team, club volleyball team, club track team, and we traveled all over. So we were down in Wheeling. I have good friends still that live down in that area, more in Ohio, like Belmont, I think is where a lot of them live, that area. Um, Steubenville. We were in Pittsburgh all the time. In fact, we had basketball tournaments at Robert Morris. Oh, yeah. Um, Quigley High School. Yeah. (laughs) We had some games at Quigley. That name will never slip my mind because it's just a unique name, Quigley. But anyway, so you grew up down there. Uh, What transitioned you up to Youngstown? It's not... um, I mean, Youngstown's its own little world, but since you grew up where you did, kind of... Talk about maybe some similarities or what some of the big differences and what brought you up to Youngstown. Well, initially, what brought me to Youngstown was Youngstown State. I went to college there. I had a few friends from high school who uh, were going to go to school there, too. So my interest was kind of uh, like kind of following them or, you know, kind of going to school with them. Uh, So 
that um, I had, you know, people that I knew there. But also I was just interested in Youngstown because it was kind of just far enough away from home, but it was also yeah. an old, smaller, older industrial city, which I was familiar with. And I had, you know, a really civic minded upbringing and had always been involved with things. You know, I was in student government in, in high school and, uh, you know, led all the found, uh, fundraising efforts there. And um, that kind of, I guess you'd say, prepped me for um, an interest when I got to Youngstown to get involved, not only on campus, but try to learn more about the community itself. So um, when I came to Youngstown and, and attended Youngstown State, I immediately fell in love with the place. Um, and, you know, a lot of the people I met at Youngstown State were students that were largely from the Valley. This would have been the, like the late 1990s, early 2000s. And um, they weren't, you know, I was just shocked that a lot of younger people just were not familiar with the city whatsoever, you know, and uh, it was almost a whole generation had just missed the whole entire urban experience. And so I was fascinated by the city and I spent a lot of time at the um, Labor Museum, the, the Steel Museum on Wood Street outside of the time that I was at class and just reading about all that I could of the history. The history of Youngstown is just enormous. The Valley in general. No doubt about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if anybody's never been to the Steel Museum, I highly recommend it because it does talk about, while it does talk about the legacy of steel, there's a great library on the third floor. I that, didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's all working class studies literature. It's uh, urban planning and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I just was just, I just, to me, that was such a sanctuary. I went there and read as much as I could, spend as much free time as I could there. And then I started to kind of gradually venture out into the city and start attending community meetings and city council meetings and interesting like topics and things like that, initiatives that were going on. I thought that, you know, maybe a younger person's perspective would be important. But I joined the ROTC program when I was there, which meant that when I graduated, I had to go into the army. And so I did that. And um, I um, was kind of keeping up with everything going on back in Youngstown while I was in the military. And it just so happened that during that exact period of time was when the whole Youngstown 2010 plan work was going on. This was like this new comprehensive vision and plan for Youngstown. And I'm reading about this in the newspaper online while I'm in the military. And I was really interested in what was going on because I figured like when I was there, to me, that was exactly what needed to happen. We needed a we needed a new kind of comprehensive vision and approach for Youngstown. Was that um, who was the mayor then? I'm drawing a blank. Well, at the time, it was George McKelvey. However, right. the person leading the process was uh, Jay Williams. Jay Williams, yeah. Right. I'm gonna tell you, man's that just because of that 2010 plan. Yeah, he cemented his name in history in Youngstown. No doubt about it. Yeah, and he's actually the big reason why I stayed in Youngstown because I met Jay Williams through that planning process was so impressed that when he decided to run for mayor, I joined his campaign. And that's, you know, when I started spending, you know, I, I knocked on thousands of doors in Youngstown, talked to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And I got a really excellent education as to like, you know, the whole spectrum, the good and the bad and the ugly of Youngstown, people's on the ground perspectives, getting to know every single neighborhood, um, all the stories, the history and on street by street. And um, when Jay Williams won, to me, that was when I was fully committed to Youngstown because here we had this community-led vision and process and plan. Now we had leadership that was uh, running on that platform to implement that plan. And um, that was that was what birthed Defend Youngstown. It was at that point in time that I thought, 
What year was this? This would have been, let's see, so the plan wrapped up in 05. Jay Williams runs after that. He's mayor in 06. So this would have been around late 06, somewhere okay. around that time. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about like how, what I, I was working, I had a job at the county courthouse. You know, I was administrative job, going to grad school at night at YSU. And, uh, but we're trying to figure out how I can plug in and what I can do in Youngstown. And that's when I came up with the Defend Youngstown concept. It's not an original idea. I can't, the way I came to learn of it was um, there was a defend concept in Brooklyn, New York, which was um, to combat police brutality there. And then there was a defend New Orleans, which was um, about the preservation of a lot of the um, historic districts in relation to art and culture. A lot of it was being gentrified or demolished. And so there was a defend New Orleans movement there to protect, uh, pre- you know, kind of preserve those things. And so when I saw that, I was like, man, there's a f- only a few cities that I can think of that if you put defend in front of the name of 100%. the town, people were immediately going to understand. They're going to know. They're going to know. And Warren's another great example of that. Um, but anyway. Yeah. That, I'm going to interject with that. Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've had a couple people say to me, what, what are we defending Warren from? And I just look at him like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I, I could give you a laundry list of things. Yeah. Never mind politics. I keep politics out of it. Right. Just look at our city yeah. and tell me what there is not to defend from. Yeah. I mean, just blight, yeah. job loss, crime. Now, our crime isn't as bad as it's perceived to be, yeah. it's, but it's bad enough, right? Just you tell me. Yeah. And so it's kind of mind boggling to me when people say, well, what are, you, what, what are you defending it from? Okay. I'm not even having this conversation, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I agree. Cause I got to ask the same question. Cause my approach to it was I had come up with the image. I had a friend who was a graphic artist and he kind of, did this stencil image, which I just spray painted on a piece of reinforced cardboard. And I stood in the middle of downtown Youngstown on Friday and Saturday nights in summertime and just held this sign up. So that's a true story. That's a true story. Yeah. Now, the thing about that is, is that if I would have known that it would have been such a big deal later on, I would have saved that sign, you know, because yeah. uh, I wish I even had a photo of it, but I, I don't. There was a rainstorm one night. I got caught in a rainstorm and it just destroyed my oh. sign because it's made out of cardboard, you know, so I just tossed it that night. But um, I had a lot of people come up to me and say the same thing. And I'd say about half the people were like, what are you doing here? What does this mean? Yeah. What are we defending? And why, you know, you're a young person with a college education. You're a military officer. Like, why are you here? You know, you could be anywhere else. And But I had just as many people come up and say, this is exactly what we need. Yep. You know, I mean, we need younger people who are committed and understand, you know, and want to get involved. And, um, you know, my answer to people in regards to what does defend Youngstown mean, I always said, you know, it's an it's an open ended kind of slogan, but to me, my interpretation is to, uh, base to get to understand a deeper understanding of this community, its history and understand its legacy in relation to so many other things and look at the opportunity that exists to help improve things here 100%. and find your way to get involved. You know, that to me has always been the mantra of defend Youngstown. You are defending Youngstown when you educate yourself and you find a way to, um, get involved in something. That's defense to me. But I just thought it was also just a cool slogan, defend Youngstown, you know, because if you all these convention and visitors bureau slogans, you know, like I heart Warren, I heart yet like that's nice. And I understand that there's there's a place for that. But it's this is Warren and Youngstown. You need to get in people's faces yes. and you need to draw lines and you need to say, are you in or are you out? And you do you get it or not? And if you do get it, then you know. Let's go. Here's the symbol. If right. you don't, Let's just do out of our way. Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly right. When so. I came, so another reason, one of the reasons I asked you to be on the podcast because I want to hear this story, but also so I could kind of like defend my position of 
stealing your name of <laughs> defend Youngstown to defend Warren. But uh, so I years ago, and I mean years ago, uh, in the mid nineties. So I graduated high school, and went to college at DeVry in Columbus, yeah. and I stayed down there till 08 when my wife and I moved back here. And the first couple summers, it was on and off. So I was about down there about 17 years. Loved it. Great town. I still have a lot of friends down there. But I, I wanted to do, I knew, I always knew I wanted to come back and do something. I just didn't know what that was. So I talked to my uncle who at the time was very involved in Warren, very involved in the school districts, involved volunteering, um, helping out in the go- uh, politics to one degree or another. He, he wasn't um, a councilman or anything, but... And I went to him and I asked his advice and I said, Uncle Tom, I want to come back, but I think I, I think I want to start a nonprofit. He looks at me and goes, there are enough nonprofits in Warren, Ohio. You don't need to do that. And in my head, I'm thinking, what? There can never be enough. And now I know there's plenty, but, uh, and I'm not discounting them by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. So long story short. So stumbled across Defend Youngstown. I was like, man, this is awesome. This is great. I love it. Bought a shirt online, bought a friend of mine who's from Newcastle, bought him a shirt. He was mad it was gray. He wanted black too, but I got the black one. And uh, I said, well, I I still didn't know what I was going to do. So I had a friend of mine who's a graphic artist design the logo that you see today. We've tweaked a little bit since then, uh, color and a few other things, but we tweaked it. And uh, I, I had a different name. I didn't go with it because it just did not encapsulate everything that I wanted it to. Right. So um, I started, this was back here in Warren. I started uh, writing a blog. Now, I'm not a writer. I'm just not. I gave it a shot. It's not my thing. When this came available, I'll talk all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked with my wife and I said, you know, Defend is just sticking with me. It encapsulates. So I said, well, I can't copy Phil because even though we hadn't met yet, I can't copy him. So I went with all in. I even have some logos for it. I kid you not, two weeks later when the Cavs were, when LeBron was playing with Cleveland, (laughs) they came out with all in. It's like, I'm not doing it. I'm going to be accused of copying them. I'm not, if I'm going to be accused of copying somebody, I'd rather be a local guy and you can get, make an automatic connection. So my wife came up with a couple ideas and I like, kind of liked one of them. It just wasn't, uh, it did not encapsulate enough. It it just, it just was too, it wasn't enough. But I'm not sharing what that is because I still may use it later. <laughs> Maybe off, off off the recording, I'll tell you. But, sure. Um, so I just went with defend, and 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 if you know people, even though that's not an issue, but you know if someone says, "Well, you're just copying Phil," that's fine. Whatever. I mean, that I mean, there's a reason why I went with that. For me, it was you you the words can be powerful. They're only as powerful as you let them, whether it's a negative or positive. So. We live in this area's very negative mindset. Not everyone, but too many. And if we can, part of what I'm trying to do is get that phrase in people's minds. Because you're not going to trash a city if you defend it. And if that's your mentality, you're just not going to do it. So that's part of this. It's going to be a long process, and I understand that. But sharing the stories, or capturing the stories, um, and getting the phrase defend in front of Warren and people putting that in their mind. So they don't come to see Warren as a dumpy town that's worth nothing because we've conditioned our kids to believe that. Too many people have, not everyone, but too many people have. So I could keep going, but I'm, I'm not, I'll stop. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's why I ended up doing, why I went with Defend Warren. I didn't, my original name actually uh, got used by another organization that I like, so I'm not going to say, you know, dude, 
you could have at least told me you were going to use it. I had I had them read the blog. Yeah. And all of a sudden I see it out there. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> so that's okay. It's all good. I appreciate what they're doing. So that's why I wanted to share with you, you know, in person. And then I also wanted to hear about the whole Defend Youngstown too. So right. anyway, that's enough about me. Yeah, no, I, you know, I'm really glad you actually chose Defend Warren because that was the idea of what, uh, first of all, I mean, I did the same thing. You know, I was inspired by Brooklyn and New Orleans, and that's where I've got Defend Youngstown. So I was always hoping that it would um, be something that would lead to something exactly like this for other people. You know, that was the idea. Because my idea was while I sold T-shirts and things like that, that was kind of a means to an end. I was I'm was an activist who was trying to get people involved and get them educated about all these things going ha- happening more from a community development and city planning type perspective or economic development perspective and defend your uh, Youngstown was the means in which to get people to that end and so i think it's really great that you chose this because i think it really does work in warren uh just like it does in youngstown and a few other places i will say i've seen other defend concepts in places like for example cleveland you know where they're just kind of using that as a way to sell a t-shirt design with yeah. two guns on it or something like that. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. And there was another shirt in Youngstown, actually, this, now that I think back on it. There was this shirt that just really appalled me, and it was um, a shirt that said uh, something to the effect of Youngstown, Ohio, murder capital of yes. America, you know, with two AK-47s. And to me, that was the most appalling um I can't even think of all the adjectives that yeah. would adequately describe just how wrong that is on yeah. so many levels. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I wanted something to counter that too. I wanted something that said that kind of was like a bat signal for people that were like um, much more uh, positive might not be the right word, but some, some people that like thought about this deeply and wanted to get more connected and didn't take pride in the fact of the unfortunate scenarios that result right. from deindustrialization. You know, I have a confession. I bought one of those shirts <laughs> and my wife looked at me and she goes, that's really how you want to represent Youngstown, Ohio. Right. I was like, whatever. <laughs> then I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So I want to share about your shirts, man. I, I, I don't, you may have not, and probably, I don't want to say don't care, but I don't think your ego is involved with what you've done, mm-hmm. but your reach is huge, <laughs> huge. And I'm, I'm, you probably realize to one degree or another, but I want to share a story with you down in Columbus. Kelly Pavlik was on, you know, on top oh, yeah. of the world, right? Sure. And my buddy who I bought that shirt for grew up in Newcastle, but spent a lot of time in Youngstown. And because uh, he went to YSU um, in the uh, late 80s. Anyway, me, him, and a couple other buddies were going to go see the Pavlik fight at some bar. I don't even remember where it was in Columbus. And I put my Youngstown shirt on. He put his shirt on. And we're walking. The dude's checking IDs. And he's walking. He's going. He goes. You guys are everywhere. We walk into the bar in Columbus and literally everyone in there had to defend Youngstown shirt on. <laughs> Maybe not literally. <laughs> right. But it was and, and the place just erupted when Kelly Kelly won that particular fight. And it was just madness in yeah. a good way. I mean, that's that says something right there. Yeah, that was really good timing. Um, I had gotten to I didn't know Kelly like personally deeply, um, but I, I would say the whole defend Youngstown m- movement, if you want to call it that was really a good, it was a matter of timing because it had begun slightly just before social media became a mainstream yeah. tool. And that's the reason. And you did all this without any social media. I did. I started, I started without the use of mainstream social media. Um, and that's the reason why I stood in downtown because I didn't have any other kind of platform or method in which to really kind of engage people. And, uh, 
when I was holding that sign, one person came up to me at some point and said, well, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you're just going to stand down here every weekend. I mean, what's the next step here? And that person suggested that I put the image on a t-shirt. So at least you'd be kind of uh, spreading the message that way, or at least people could, they could express themselves that this is what they believe. But the only real tool existed at that time, um, that was kind of being used or read quite a bit with blogs, you know? So I started the blog, uh, at about the same time I started the shirt because I knew people were going to want the shirt, but I wanted them, if they were going to look for the shirt online, that they were going to have to come across the blog. And I was hoping that with the blog, they would at least read maybe the latest post and it would be enough information for them to kind of get a snapshot of what was happening in Youngstown as far as news and how to get involved. And that was that was how it all started. So I, okay. I had the blog and as that evolved, then Facebook became a mainstream tool and it all folded into that. And then it exploded because everybody was joining all kind of pages and things like that. And at that time, Youngstown, this was like the only thing like it, activisty that I think, or edgy activisty that was like happening on this front. And it became a magnet for that. And plus I was providing original content. You know, I was, I was doing interviews with people. I was doing interviews with city officials and community leaders and aggregating news and telling people specifically how to plug in. So that between the nexus of all of that, that's how it grew. And uh, I probably maybe a year after that was when Kelly Pavlik, you know, his rise, like you had mentioned, I had a friend who was his trainer. And um, I was at the gym uh, when he was training there and got to know some of his his camp, his personnel. And I know Kelly himself would wear the shirt. He really liked the shirt and uh, was one of his um, one of his team members uh, approached me. And I remember the meeting clearly. He wanted to meet, get a cup of coffee. And he said, hey, listen, this was Kelly. This was Kelly's team. Team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I kind of, you know, I'd see Kelly at the gym. We talk every now and again. But it was his team member that approached me and said, we'd like for you to. be like we'd like to create specifically defend Youngstown team Pavlik shirts nice and uh we'll you know we'll buy them and we'll outfit our whole team but we need like a couple hundred of these and so when that happened you know all of the team Pavlik people in their universe were wearing these shirts and it was just at their maybe a fight or two before his world championship fight and he's now on sports time Ohio and HBO and doing all the shows and they're wearing the shirts and so that really, the traffic that drew to the website for the shirts themselves was, um, you know, huge. It was significant, but it really increased all the Facebook likes and all of that, which was really what I wanted, what was to get this, info, have a larger platform to get the, a network to get the information out. And so Kelly Pavlik, I owe him and his team quite a bit of um, thanks uh, for helping elevate the Defend Youngstown platform for sure. Um the, the idea of the store, you know, where you and I met um, was an evolution of the Defend Youngstown concept because I had worked for the city as the events and marketing director and then took a job as a neighborhood organizer. The Wien Foundation, which is next to us, um, when 20, Youngstown 2010, the plan I was referencing before, became actualized and Jay Williams was mayor, that foundation realized that, hey, listen, we really need um, community organizing and neighborhood development capacity because we don't have that. Places like Cleveland and Pittsburgh, they have 28, 30 TNPs and YNDCs. You know, I mean, they've been doing this work since the 70s. And that's the reason why some of their neighborhoods are now experiencing a lot of it because they have that. Youngstown Award had none of that. If we did, it it existed in kind of, you know, maybe just housing, you know, 
in a marginal capacity and but nothing comprehensive. And so they funded the first organizing project in Warren and Youngstown. And I joined that and I was one of the lead organizers in Youngstown and did that work for years, was living downtown. And just below me was, I lived right above my store and that space became available. And I had always thought about the idea of expanding the Defend Youngstown concept into some, like a physical location. And, you know, I asked my building owner, I said, you know, you have any plans for this space? It's tiny. There's no bathrooms or anything. And he said, no, if you want it, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks a month, go for it. So that's how that started was um, just taking the idea of Defend Youngstown and also making it an emporium of sorts for local products. So when I started out, I only had like the Defend Youngstown shirt, you know, but I got a store now that I got to fill. So I reached out to all kinds of people throughout Youngstown that were selling Youngstown themed things on a commission or a consignment basement rather. And that was helpful because I was putting money in their pockets, but it was also allowing me to have the space to become what the store really was, which was like a community information center. People would come there to buy stuff, but just as many people would come there and be like, hey, you know, um, how do I plug into this initiative? Or, you know, tell me about what's going on in City Hall and this and this and this. So it was this nexus. In fact, it was funny because I had people that would come to the store. They had just gone to City Hall and they went to the mayor's office and they'd be like, you should go talk to Phil. He'll be able to help you out with that. So <laughs> I was getting traffic redirected from City Hall on, you know, how to get involved. So that was really great. Um, but, you know, I did that for about three, almost four years with the store. And I got offered a job with the Downtown Community Development Corporation. And I just couldn't do both things because I was only there then able to be there on Saturdays. And then there, my work started creeping into Saturdays, you know, and then I'd have people come to the store and who spent waited all week to come to the store. And I have a note on the door saying, sorry, but we're not open today because, you know, I'm working somewhere else. And uh, I just figured, you know, I don't want to create a situation where this is going to continue in, in that form fashion. So kept everything online and kept the blog going and uh, grew that network, just kept growing that network. And, uh, um, you know, I just recently, quite honestly, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I just recently reactivated the Defend Youngstown page because I'm still a board member at YNDC. I'm still, while I'm still, I'm working in Cleveland now, that page, I still think because of its network would be too, it, it would be a shame if we weren't able to still use that network to educate people about what's going on in volunteer opportunities. I'm very busy in the work I do. I do the same work I do in Cleveland that I did here at city planning and neighborhood development. Um, but I still feel that that's an opportunity to still get people plugged in. When I was a young man growing up, I mentioned the church that I went to. We rented Cheney High School's auditorium. So I was down in Youngstown every week, every week in, in, at, at Cheney. Sure. We hosted our basketball games in their gym. And oh, yeah. we had track meets at their track. We'd also use Austin Town, depending on how big the tournament was. Go to Mill Creek Park all the time. I had friends that went to Rand, East, South, Cheney, all over. So my connection isn't just because I'm from Warren, Ohio. I spent a lot of my youth in Youngstown. In Youngstown. Not in the Burbs, in Youngstown. Right, in city. And yeah, and I have a lot of... I, I've had, well, I still am friends with a lot of them. I don't obviously don't see them a lot anymore. You know, you grow up and go different directions or whatever, but a good, I had two really good friends that went to Cheney. They were a few years older than me. I'm still in touch with, actually, I'm in touch with both, one less than the other. But uh, my, my connection to Youngstown isn't just because I'm from Warren. It runs much, much deeper than that. I've had a lot of history with the city of Youngstown. So that I wanted to share that too, that it was more than just location for me. You sure. know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, so where do I pick up from here? Because um, I want to hear more about, uh, well, I do want to share this. The one thing that I've said about uh, Mayor Williams is that he had a plan. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, there's a, I don't know if it's an old saying or a proverb that says, uh, where there is no, what's the, how's it go? Where there's no vision, the people, people perish. perish right? Where there's no vision of people perish. You know, growing up here, there's been, when the mill shut down, that was shock, right? And you need time to recover from that. And I get it. But we're 40 plus years out now. And here in Warren, we've had no plan, period, at all. I know, I know there are going to be some people who hear that and they're going to be mad. I don't care because there, there's another old saying, the truth hurts. And that's a true statement for a reason. You can't fix anything. And, you know, it's like someone who has an addiction until they admit they have a problem. They're not going to address it. We have a problem. We have no plan. And I've talked to other people um, on actually on a, another podcast. Actually, do you know Greg Bartholomew at All American yeah. Comics? Yeah, he was on great sure. interview. I haven't posted it yet. Yeah. I've listened to it like five times because I just think it was that funny. <laughs> but um, I asked him specifically. He said, no, there's no plan. That's a problem. And when Mary Williams had that 2010 plan, my, I was like, bing, that's what Youngstown needed. Mm. We, you can't go from, and I, I'm no, I'm, I, you know this, some of the listeners may not, you can't go from a complete, not complete, but darn near complete economic collapse and not plan your way out of it. Well, that's what we're trying to do in Warren, Ohio. No one has a plan. No one's had a plan. And we still don't have a plan. If it wasn't for TNP, thankfully, we'd still have hundreds of homes sitting here rotting. Mm -hmm. They're the reason the city's getting cleaned up. I'm thankful for them. Uh, we need a plan in this city. I don't know who's going to do it. I, I, I honestly don't see it happening from city hall or council because a lot of those ladies and gentlemen have been in city government for a long time. Mm -hmm. If they were going to do it, they'd have done it. So I'm hopefully if they hear it, I'm asking you to put a plan. Pogamire study does not count. Uh, the Trumbull Planning Commission does not count because no one's really held accountable to implement it. Mm -hmm. Mary Williams had all that in place, man. And I, <laughs> I wish he would just come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was, that was huge. And I, I really wish Warren would follow that example. Well, you know, I would say that you're right. Uh, the Youngstown 2010 plan was, while it was technically a plan, I think it was more of a mentality shift in Youngstown. It you was have an opportunity. to have that. Right. It was almost kind of like, look, let's acknowledge the fact that the mills are not coming back. Let's officially acknowledge that. And let's talk about what we, the reality on the ground, which is obvious to all of us, which is the city shrinking. And we need to think about what that can look like while still providing a high quality of life for people that live here. And also being able to maybe attract new people in time. And um, the interesting backstory to that was, it can be attributed actually largely to leadership of YSU as well, because uh, what had happened was Youngstown State had hired a new president. His name was David Sweet, Dr. David Sweet. Dr. David Sweet was the individual who founded the Urban Studies Program, the school at Cleveland State. And he was coming here from there. And so when he was hired, he brought the former chief planner of the city of Cleveland with him, uh, Hunter Morrison, who Hunter's still here. He still works with the city. He, when they came here, they said, geez, you know, we need a plan for this town. And he got together with um, then Mayor McKelvey and said, hey, look, this is important. Um, let's partner together on this. And they got city council together and they went down to Chattanooga, Tennessee who had just completed a uh, comprehensive plan because they thought it might be a comparable city of sorts. And when they came back, city council agreed to commit, I think it was around $250,000 to a plan. And that was what began the process. At that time, Jay Williams was the city planning director and the community development director. 
And he was the person charged with helping facilitate the community input process. And there was no shortcuts here. It wasn't a top-down plan. It was um, three years of community engagement, town hall meetings. I mean, planning documents always are kind of largely in some ways structured from a planning perspective. You know, you can't just leave it as a free-for-all for for people to just say, here's everything that should happen. You kind of provide some structure and then people fill in the details. And that's what happened. And that's what I was paying attention to when I was in the military was this process happening. And I think that when when it happened, um, you know, it was really, it created a whole nother level of energy, which I think its actual most important legacy was, will be, the fact that it began, it you know, Williams' leadership, which then led to these investments through the Wien Foundation with these organizations like TNP and YDC, those would probably not have happened or not have happened as soon as they have um, without a plan in Youngstown leveraging that. So TNP is kind of a branch off from that 2010 plan? Yeah. yeah. I mean, indirectly, <clears throat> TNP is, you can tie that plan to, uh, to TNP's birth. Um, through by, vis-a-vis the um, Wien Foundation. Um, I will say that in Youngstown, most people will tell you that, well, these are people that don't necessarily understand planning at that level, you know, in the weeds. But they'll say, well, whatever happened to the 2010 plan? You know, we didn't implement a lot of it. And th- there's a lot of truth to that in the sense that when the city did the plan, th- the idea was to then go neighborhood by neighborhood and do individual neighborhood plans there. Problem was that the city just simply did not have the capacity yeah you know, to, to carry something like that out because in a lot of other communities in a lot of other cities, and I work in this way now in Cleveland, it's those TNPs and YNDCs that actually execute those, those plans. They implement those okay. things. Right. And so because Warren and Youngstown, when the plan was done in 05, those organizations weren't birthed till t- literally almost 09, 2010. They did not have the implementation mechanism to be able to do that. But fortunately, it did create the interest of the Wien Foundation to create those organizations, which now 10 years later, as your point, think of all the work, think of where Warren would be even without TNP over the last, you know, seven or 10 years with all the homes and all the other things that they're working on. And same thing with Youngstown. I think when, if, if and when Youngstown makes its full comeback at some point in time. When? Yeah, when it when it does, um, it's probably just a matter of timeline. Yeah. I think you will definitively be able to point to the fact that it was an organization like YNDC. Um, what even, who was YNDC? YND, oh, I'm sorry. The, yeah, the, sorry. A lot of your listeners are not going to know. It's the Youngstown Neighborhood Development Corporation. So they're like the Youngstown equivalent of TNP. Okay. They're and doing so, a fantastic job. They're doing a fantastic. Too. In fact, they have been named the number one small city neighborhood development corporation in the United States. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I think when people hear, they don't maybe understand. That doesn't get enough press. It doesn't really get enough press. And it's because they're just too busy doing the work, you know? So (laughs) they're not really one to kind of flaunt it. But um, let me tell you something. I work at the top neighborhood development corporation in Cleveland, which is considered one of the top neighborhood development corporations in the United States. And I would, I would compare YNDC's work to that level, wow. you know, I mean, they are that good. And I think that um, with TNP as well, I mean, what's great is the synergy that, that that's being developed between the two organizations and the works happening here. It's just the problem is, like you said, we're 40 years behind the curve. A lot of these cities were doing this work 
when this was ha- when the decline was happening in the well economically speaking in the 70s and i mean the cities started losing populations in the 30s and 50s a lot of people don't know that yeah, yeah. or don't realize that right. they think that the when the mills closed everybody left no no it was before that they started when the suburbs started to develop everybody after world war 2 went to buy a car and then everybody had home new constructions of homes got subsidized out in the suburbs so it was cheaper to buy a new house which is another subject but keep going <laughs> yeah right but i mean i'm just saying that yeah. that the 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 Emptying out of the cities began before long before, before yep. the mills closed. But the planning to how to address that began in the 70s in places like Pittsburgh and Cleveland. We were starting this in the late 2000s here in the same timeline when the mills closed as those other places. So you have to keep that in perspective when we're talking about revitalization. And we're also talking about a community that has less resources than a Cleveland or a Pittsburgh. So we're trying to maximize given the smaller amount of resources we have. And so all that to say that... It goes back to your point about the plan, because without that singular plan, that seminal moment where leadership from the university, from Cleveland comes in, gets together with the city and says, let's make this happen. That plan, while maybe not every single thing got implemented, it created all of this other um, opportunity that happened that's doing the work on the ground right now. And so um, it is very important. And it is important, I think, that Warren should consider something like that. Plans are good. I think they need to be as practical as possible, but they're still important to have because what they are, are they become documents where people can have shared agreement and vision about what should happen. You know, if a city just tries to issue a plan or a planning commission tries, oftentimes they sit on a shelf because this was not something that necessarily came or there's buy-in or understanding, more importantly, understanding from the individual residents about what's trying to be accomplished here. Oftentimes they're just land use or zoning or, you know, some housing development thing. It's got to be ground up. And uh, that was the that was the good thing about Yemsa 2010 was it they spent three or more years doing the work on the ground. Going back to Greg Bartholomew, the one of the things that he pointed out was, you know, when I asked if there was a plan, he, he said no. And, he, and I said, why? He goes, um, no one's feet is going to be held to the fire. You know, if, if we you could sit, put the plan on someone's desk and say, get this job done. If you don't get it done, they get fired. I We need that. We need a city planner who can then work with TMP. And I'm looking at what TMP does. And they're like, here's our plan for this. Here's the plan for that. And I said, why is the city not doing this? Well, you kind of answered that. You know, that's they're supposed to work together. Mm-hmm. To what degree TMP and, and the city of Warren work together? I don't know. I've heard different things. And, I, you know, I'm not going to speculate that they need to work that out. Um, and. I don't want to get into the gossip, um, but I'm glad that they're there doing what they do. So I'm glad you clarified all that. So one thing that I personally, for let me back up a step. I know you know this. There are going to be people listening to the show who maybe never discussed this, but the Mahoning Valley, I think, is a unique area in many ways. I mean, you think, and Mahoning Valley, I know incorporates technically five counties, Trumbull, Mahoning, Columbiana, Lawrence and PA and Mercer and PA. Mm-hmm. But the heart is from Warren to the North, to Youngstown to the South. That's the heart. That's when you think of the Mahoning Valley, that's what you think of. Everything else is just, you know, maybe political things. I don't know, but that's the heart. And what have we have produced here since 1900 is astronomical for our population. You think about all the greats that come from Youngstown, and I'm only going to list a couple off the top, make remember the Warner Brothers, who started Warner Brothers Studios in, in uh, Hollywood. <laughs> They're from Youngstown. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the great business leaders that have come out of here. Well, you have the DeBartolos. They're, they're, they're ginormous, major property developers. I remember being in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I'm seeing DeBartolo Corporation. They had a sign. Well, it was in a mall. You know, like on MASH, it had signs that pointed different directions to different places. Well, they had the same thing in this mall. And it said Youngstown, Ohio, 1,400 miles that way. I was like, what? Well, the Bartolos own that property. Right. Uh, but the athletes, athletics, the athletes, I meant to say, even here in Warren, the athletes that come here, we have a Hall of Famer, uh, Paul Warfield, as you know. Um, we had a guy from Warren who uh, was the CEO of uh, HP for a while. Uh, just the, our little area, what we've produced I think is second to none. Now you could go to the suburbs. I don't even know if they consider New York City having suburbs. It's just massive amounts of people. <laughs> but where else in America are you going to find in with our population type of location? And I'm not saying we're not directly connected to Cleveland, right? Or directly connected to Pittsburgh, or we're not a burb outside of Chicago where all that stuff can be fed. All those that stuff, people. Mm. We're our own entity. We have our own culture which is another unique aspect of it and our history. I mean, everything from the mills to organized crime to the politics, who else has that type of story in the type of area that we do? I don't think anyone does. I mean, do you? I mean, you're, you're going to be more knowledgeable than me. I'm, I'm talking more from a position of being arrogant, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wishing things or, you know, but what do you think? I think it's a unique area for sure. You know, I think that was my love and curiosity about the place initially was just how, like you said, it's, you know, it's a community that is in between Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but claimed by neither. And I think because, because of that, it's allowed itself to have this autonomous kind of, uh, culture that has yeah. developed, you know, and it's a mix of, um, urbanism and, uh, more Appalachia in some yeah. ways too. And, uh, you know, and it's just kind of big enough or small enough, however you look at it, to kind of feel like its own little metro area that has all the needs and all the things that you would want culturally and economically and these other things. And I, I think that's probably the reason why the Valley um, was able to kind of, uh, I don't know if it insulate itself, but create its own ecosystem, yeah. you know, over the time. That's and a good it, phrase. You're right. Right. And uh, I, I, you know, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area and I live in Cleveland now and, you know, was in the military and lived in different places. And it really is. It's its own unique culture with its, you know, incredible, you know, use a boxing metaphor, but, you know, punch is definitely above its weight as far as its uh, historical legacy, its contributions. And um, yeah, I, I think that's what's great. You know, I think, and a lot of people, particularly younger people, don't really know about they don't, the history. Which know? is another reason I'm doing the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so important. That's exactly right. Youngstown is a beautiful city. This, our area is a beautiful city. When I was a young man, I, you know, I was just different people, adults, I should say, were talking about, boy, this is a beautiful area. And I'm thinking, what? He's run down, blah, 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 blah. Now that I'm a uh, grown man, at least that's what I think I am. Depends who you ask. Uh, I drive through Youngstown or drive through Warren. It's a beautiful area. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And but we have, again, I was conditioned as a young man that you have to leave the area if you want to have any success. I don't think that's true. And I definitely don't think it's true now. But that's another subject. But I was never, my dad instilled in me the love of Warren, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't, I just love the city. I love Warren and I know its potential. And we are not living up to our potential. You ever meet a kid? And plenty of teachers can tell you this. But you ever meet a kid who maybe academically or athletically just has all the potential in the world and they're just doing nothing with it. 
that's how I feel like the Mahoning Valley is. Mm. We we have so much more potential than we're putting out there. Mm. So anyway, I'm getting philosophical. Um, quick, another story for you. Like I said, my wife's from San Diego. And when we were dating, I was sharing all the stories about the Mahoning Valley. And she didn't believe any of them. It's like, that's only happens in movies. It's like, no, it's true. <laughs> I'm right. So, we're jo- so finally she bought in. And, uh, I, and I jokingly, my favorite phrase to her for the first few years of us being married was, as, you know, Youngstowners, we're, we're everywhere. Oh, be quiet. Well, no, you're not. Okay. So, so, uh, she's out and this was after a few ribbings of this. We're, we're in Columbus at the time. We're down in short North going to go get dinner. And I had a Youngstown pullover on. I'd wear Youngstown stuff everywhere. Right. Right. And, uh, I'm walking down, we're walking down the street and this guy comes up to me. You're from Youngstown. Yeah. Well, I'm from Warren, blah, blah, blah. I'm from blah, blah, blah. And we shake hands and, and we swap some quick stories or whatever. And I said, and I would go to my seat. We're everywhere. Shut up. (laughs) So she's out visiting her family in California in San Diego. And she's at a department store buying makeup or something. I don't remember specifically, but she shows uh, her driver's license to the lady at the counter. And she goes, oh, you're from Ohio. No, I'm originally from San Diego, but my, my husband's from the Youngstown area. Oh, I'm from Niles. <laughs> and she gets back. She goes, you're right. You guys are everywhere. <laughs> so, well, you know, that's what happens when, you know, 5,000 jobs shut down in one day and people got, you know, yeah. we got dispersed. Yeah, that's right. But it created... Obviously not purposely, but this is one of the positive side effects of this. It created a situation where I can go anywhere in the country. And if I'm wearing something that says Youngstown on it, I got a friend. It's true. Instantly. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I experienced And that's because of your shirt, by the way. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, and, you know, I would ask people, too, when they bought shirts, you know, wherever they were at. If they, you know, people, well, actually, people just started sending me photos. You know, they were in all these cool and crazy places. And um, I would post those on Facebook, you know, and it was really cool. I was myself, you know, I've worn the shirts obviously uh, quite a bit. It's basically my wardrobe. And um, (laughs) I was in, uh, I was on vacation last year at uh, Pike Street Market in Seattle, you know, and sure enough, it isn't within five minutes that somebody that I personally know comes up to me, you know, and (laughs) Phil, hey, you know, it's like, yeah, we are, we are definitely everywhere. But I, I think it's to your point, it's, this area in, you know, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, Warren, any older industrial city, unfortunately, people had to leave, you right. know, for economic reasons. But, you know, the pride is still here. Absolutely. Wherever you're at. And so it is. It's like a, you know, that's why I came up with the term Youngstown Nation. You know, the store's name was Youngstown Nation. And that's why, because it is a nation of um, people out there, not what not only locally, but beyond. And it's pride. And um, so I thought it was an appropriate name for that. And, uh, yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. And it, it's been inspiring to hear, um, you know, people that would love to move back if they had the oh, opportunity. 100%. Right. And, you know, that's part of the things, too, is getting people on who have moved back. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there are a lot. I don't want to say a lot. Not enough. But you'd be surprised. Right. People who have moved back and said, I want to, I'm going to do something. Right. What Absolutely. that something is, they don't know, but they get back and they're, they're doing something. Um, oh, go ahead. I have a. Well, I was question. just going to make small uh comment on that. Uh, I'm a big believer in um, Jim Kostler at the business incubator downtown. Uh, There's a school of thought about encouraging people to leave at least for a portion of time if they have to, you know. So meaning that maybe you're an undergrad, you've born and raised here, you're going to school at YSU, but it just may be the case that you're going to have to leave for maybe your first job or maybe to further your education. And that's fine. We should encourage people to go and further their economic and also their social um, circles and development. But 
keep working back here on the local front to create the opportunities and the interest for them when the opportunity arrives, maybe five or more years down the road to circle back and come back to the community and then bring those networks and that information, those perspectives back here. And since I was doing this work over the last 15 years, I definitely, definitely met many people that, that, that was happening. Since this is a podcast, I'm nodding my head in agreement. Right, right. Yes, yes. I see you. You are nodding. That's exactly. But those are the same people that I, I could cite you, you know, right now, I could rattle off a list of people that are really involved in the community right now. They're all examples of that. And they told me, you know, hey, you know, 15 years ago, I probably wouldn't have done this. I right. probably would have stayed somewhere else. But I see the momentum happening here now. I'm co- I'm back. And this is how I'm looking to contribute. And they are. And and I think that's what's going to, it's going to take. It's going to take us. You know, you can't have everybody move back, of course, but it's a critical mass. That's what changes communities. It's, there's a, it's a nucleus. Point. There's a tipping point that gets reached where the leadership, the talent, all of that reaches a critical mass. And then the community begins to um, kind of sustain itself as far as its progress and momentum. If you had a magic wand and so Warren, let me back up a step so I can I can frame the, the question Warren and Youngstown are very similar in demographics and situations. I think Youngstown has done a much better job of trying to fix the problems than Warren has. But Youngstown had much bigger problems. Mm. Uh, In my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, I I don't mind opposing opinions. The advantage that Youngstown has is their downtown is magnificent now. In the 80s, you just didn't go downtown. There's no reason. Right now, it's people walking the streets. There's bars. There's a nightlife. There's business like I haven't seen in my lifetime. Warren is getting there. Mm-hmm. The The disadvantage Youngstown has is the neighborhoods are shot. Mm-hmm. There are some nice neighborhoods still left, but I'm saying as a whole, man, I just, just gone, gone. And I'm not bad mouthing. I'm saying that's just the way it is right now. Warren's neighborhoods aren't quite, aren't there as a whole, but our downtown isn't booming like Youngstown. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. What would be three things that if you could implement them, that you would implement for Youngstown or Warren, doesn't matter, to stop population loss and start increasing population and or to bring jobs back. What do you think are three components or three keys that you think are very important to achieve that? Well, you know, in the line of work that I do, um, which is like city planning, you know, that's the great thing about this job is that you have to approach the work on so many different fronts, you know, or at least be understanding of it from education to housing, economic development, you know, even the political, all of that. Um, my experience specifically has been in neighborhood development. And I would say that um, I agree with your assessment of the two communities. I would say that in Youngstown's case, because the downtown was so shot that it became by default a priority. You know, yeah. you, if you don't, you've, you've got to have at least a central, a strong central core in a downtown um while simultaneously working on the neighborhoods, but that's definitely got to be a priority. You know, you got to have a strong uh, 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 central neighborhood, which is the city's neighborhood. So I think that's coming along. I think that has gotten to a point where the tipping point's been reached there. That's going to continue to happen. There's not a lot of, you know, intervention, we'll just call it, that's needed to continue the market growth down in downtown Youngstown. Plus it also has the university there and that's working for it. Um, I would say that um, one of the things is we need to, double, triple, and quadruple down on the work being done by TNP in YNDC. Because I really think that it's the neighborhoods that make a city and a community what it is. I agree. 
you know, the downtowns are great and they're important, but a lot of times they're transient. You know, that's people from the suburbs coming in, going for a show and a and um, dinner, and then they're out. Or they go to work it, and go back home. They work to go back home, right, exactly. But it's getting people or, or, or providing a better quality of life for even people that live in the neighborhoods right now. Um, so a lot of that, of course, is housing. And I think in Youngstown's case, and certainly in Warren's case, they're trying to address what I would consider the first phase of how you address that, and which is stabilization. It's getting all the blight eliminated as best you can, it's holding on. This is why the land banks are important. It's holding on to those parcels of land um, and finding um, meaningful ways to repurpose them. In, in in the neighborhood that I work in, which is probably uh, 10 or 15 years ahead of where Young Center Warner are at, it's being able to then figure out how you strategically redevelop those parcels. Because that's when Warren and Youngstown start doing that, and Youngstown's just starting to do that. That is when you're going to see the skills tip is that you're actually seeing new construction happening. The markets just aren't there yet for that because a new home, a new constructed home is probably anywhere between $200,000 $250,000. No one's going to buy a new house in Youngstown and Warren right now for that price point. But you can rehabilitate a lot of the existing homes for a lot less and sell them for maybe $80,000, you know, and that that is where the focus, one of the focuses needs to be is in stabilization of the housing itself in the neighborhoods in particular. I think another important component of it, number two, would be focusing on the corridors of the cities. Agreed. When, yeah. When you're coming in and out, the commercial corridors are important because they tell you a story just like your downtown does about where your city's at. And it also is the economic opportunity for your cities. It can provide the services that residents need in neighborhoods, but it also provides the new economic opportunity. I, I look at like Mahoning Avenue on the west side of Youngstown. While it's still experiencing some decline in certain sections, you are starting to see investment, even some really great things like West Side Bowl, which is, yeah. you know, cultural <laughs> yeah, epicenter, you're you know, right. and just think of the things that might spin off of that. I know, I don't know if this is, I probably shouldn't mention this, but no, go ahead. there's another cool business that is going to be moving on to Mahoning Avenue. In Youngstown? In Youngstown okay. as a parallel to that. And Groups like the Port Authority, you know, they're strategically acquiring property. They're focusing on the corridors. And I think that's that's another important thing. The The third thing I would say um, is it's the, the school systems. You know, a big reason why that a is lot a of, huge. That's another subject. It's a whole other so. subject. And I don't. But presume, I'm glad you're bringing it up. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, because you have to. I, I'm not. I don't presume and am definitely not a uh, expert on public education or education in general. But I will say that I know that a lot of people do not choose to purchase a home in Young Center Warren because of the school systems. Let me, let me interject there. I'm very familiar with Youngstown City Schools because I do work in the district. I work with a lot of teachers. And due to compliance reasons, I can't get into that. Nothing legal, just yeah, sure. all my stuff has to go through compliance. With that being said, they have problems in Youngstown City, man. Yeah, And it needs to be addressed. And it doesn't need to be addressed with grandma's paddle. It needs to be addressed with some hardcore, these are the rules, you don't like it, leave the district. And I'm not, I'm not joking. Like what, ha by the way, and we don't need to get in that discussion because we could have two parts here for sure. Um, I miss hardcore Youngstown. I miss the people with the attitude. I really do. I like the people who would just tell you how it is. And if you didn't like it too bad, we're just soft and it drives me bananas. But with that being said, there's a little more politeness, which I understand both sides. But that's young. That's what Youngstown needs. And with Warren, again, Warren's schools aren't in the situation Youngstown City is, but their perception is. That's just as bad. You might as well just be that bad. And and that's just my opinion. But I've talked to, had very personal conversations with teachers. 
they love those kids. Mm-hmm. Love Absolutely. them. I'm, I'm, and I'm not just saying that because I wouldn't say anything. They love these kids and they are going all out to try to help them. So, and I'm not going to get into the te- the teacher politics of it between the administration. It's not the place for it. But I can just tell you that there needs to be some hard core rules set and that need to be followed by the kids and that the teachers can have someone backing them because that's a lot of the problem. And now you made a very good point. No one is going to move into Youngstown and send their kids to Youngstown City Schools. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say no one. Not but no I, one, but I, I think it affects the the decision, you know, because some people I would say middle class, no race involved, mm-hmm. middle class, upper middle class, low income. Yeah, low income, unfortunately, as you know, tend to be transient. Yeah, they're going to move. They don't, you know, it is what it is. Maybe maybe some say this is not ideal, but this is where I am right now. I w- I think the you know much like we saw with the out migration of people leaving the city post World War II, that obviously affected the school system as well. Yeah. And um, I think that you have a lot of policy as well that needs to be addressed that's sure. affecting this. You know, you have voucher programs that allow um, people that live in the city to send their kids. Do you to, like the voucher program? Well, What's your thoughts on that? I would say that I don't blame parents for taking advantage of it sure. because wh- how could you blame a parent for wanting to create the best opportunity for your kid? They're just simply taking advantage of a, you know, an, an a, a option. I would say though, that what that has done is it has created a cannibalistic system within the um, school systems where everybody's trying to poach right. kids. Right. And that's not healthy. And in Youngstown's case, and I'm not I'm not familiar enough with Warren, but in Youngstown's case, you have a lot of classrooms that are a lot that are becoming less and less competitive. You know, a lot of the quote unquote good kids or right. the kids that are there for a serious academic experience are taking advantage of vouchers and they're going to school districts outside the city. And it's creating uh, just like it would with um, you know neighborhoods in Youngstown. Yeah. When when when. Lots of people leave and it's not a very diverse or balanced situation. Right. There's not a lot of good things that often come of that. So I think that's that's a policy issue. And another policy issue is that our state Supreme Court, this is not political, it's sure. just stating facts, but our conservative Supreme Court has stated now three times over the last 11 years that the way that we fund public schools is unconstitutional, meaning that- Agreed. That that yeah. happened back in 1990. Yeah, by the exactly. Way. It started way yeah. back then and it's based on property tax. Right. So- you know, it's as people are leaving cities because we've subsidized their, them leaving and then we give them vouchers to send their kids out. Of course, you're being left with a community that there's more and more concentrated poverty and housing values and property values go down, which means less money for those districts. It's a vicious cycle. I never the thought other way. about it that way. Right. So you well combined all those things and then you get to a point where you have classrooms where there might be, to your point, where there is um, behavior that is an issue and that is a symptom. I see that as a symptom right. of a larger systemic Agreed. problem. Right. And so I think that there's got to be a real focus on trying to address that. And I know that, you know, that has been an ongoing thing forever. And there's, you know, the controversial um, uh, CEO, uh, yeah. you know, really, yeah. there's, there's those things. Right. And, but I would say just from a, 10,000 foot level with me waving the finger from the top. <laughs> the magic wand. Yeah, the magic wand. It's like, that's something we got to we gotta address. Right. And whether that means in, you know, I, I don't know if that means like if things don't improve that for the sake of the kids, just out of their welfare, do you dissolve the public school system and just have all the kids then 
go to different school districts because it's That's what's happening anyway. Thought. Right. Do you just kind of go there or do you continue to try to kind of lead your way out of this? Um, and that may take another generation and how many kids we're going to going to suffer as a result of that. And not only that, but the community itself, you know, um, so those are like the three big things. There's a lot of other things, oh, for sure. you know, but I would say that um, the housing continue to continue to work on the neighborhood development aspects, the particularly housing right now. Second would be focus on those commercial quarters, because I really do think downtown Warren, that's going to happen. You yeah. know, like this is going to be great. But when you're coming in on uh, off of 82 and yeah. some like four, I came in on 422, which is, you know, kind of beat up in sections. Yeah. Those areas, as you continue to prove those, those are going to help the neighborhoods in general Fort as well. Youngstown, or Parkman Road, which is 422, that's coming along. It is coming along. It finally. Definitely uh, is. We had some local people do some investing there, and they're they're, they're currently investing. And in, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Cockeye Barbecue. because they. Oh, yeah. Cockeye's they, great. They started it. Yeah, they, absolutely. They started it, and I'm very thankful for them. For sure. Um, I, I have a big issue with the vouchers. Big issue with the vouchers. I don't think, and I talked with a buddy of mine, and he disagrees with me on this, but I don't think vouchers should be used to fund uh, public or private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, in my opinion, tax money funding a religious organization. Mm-hmm. And you don't know me personally, but I'm a religious person. Mm-hmm. You may not agree with what I believe. So, and I might start a school. So why is your tax dollars going to my school? It shouldn't. And right. he says, well, that's not how it works. That's my understanding. When, and I don't want to get into that. But I share that because you brought up even probably even a better point of how this has really negatively affected Youngstown. And I never looked at it that way. So sure. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, if there's a, a, one last message you want to send out to the Youngstown Nation and my Youngstown Nation, we're the little brother here in Warren. I consider when I say Youngstown, I mean, it's Youngstown in name, but I think of it in terms of Moaning Valley. Yeah, me too. Right. Me too. But yeah. you said it. I wanted, you know, sure, you said sure. it, not, not me, because that's <laughs> bias coming from me. But right. what what message if you could, you know, sum it up in like a mission statement or what would you send out to the because I want to reach the kids, man. I'm trying to get to the 16 to 30s. Sure. And uh, what what would you say to them? Well, my slogan, my subtitle to defend Youngstown and Youngstown Nation was always get informed, get involved. It's that simple. But I tell people, don't don't try to think that you have to um, defend Warren or Youngstown by doing all the things. You know, I think it's as simple sometimes as supporting initiatives by simply educating yourself as to what's going on. If it's maybe it's you know one of the things I loved about Youngstown was. They always like YNDC, for example, always did like a one Saturday a month. You could do a cleanup, you know, in a neighborhood and you get to meet a lot of the residents there. Do the one thing per month that you think you can help out. One thing, you know, just maybe a Saturday for two hours. And if something doesn't fit, make it find it. You create it. That's right. I know the pandemic has changed a lot of things and there's, you know, a lot of fundraisers and activities and things that are not happening right now. But I always that was how I got to where we're at right now sitting at this table was I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know a thing about the place. I took it upon myself to educate myself about the history of this community. And I took it upon myself to figure out the information about what was going on. And that was before social media and all of that. Um, So what I tell people is don't feel overwhelmed. Try to find one thing that you think that you can get involved with or help out, even if it's for a few hours, one time a month, even if it's reading a book about the history of Warren or something like right. that. I think that keep it that simple. And if you do that, if that's your entry point, that level of simplicity 
it will take off from there. You will you will find a deeper appreciation for these communities, these two cities, Youngstown and Warren, and you will lead you to meet a whole network, this whole world of people that think like this, that you probably don't even know exist, doing all this amazing work that you don't even know about because they're too busy doing the work. But you will find this, this um, family, and that is where the love and the defense of Warren and Youngstown will come from, is from discovering that through those small intentional practices of getting involved. You'll find out how quickly, how much, and how many people care. Absolutely. And it will change your perspective. Uh, Mr. Kidd, not originally from Youngstown, but he spent time, lots of time in Youngstown. And and quite honestly, you created a movement and you have made a massive impact of which has affected me. And I know it's reached a lot of people. I know you know that. And I'm very thankful for what you did. And I hope maybe sooner than later, Defend Warren, what, what I'm trying to do uh, will have the same effect and we can really be a part of bigger and a turnaround in the Mahoning Valley to get us back to where we were, where we deserve to be, where we should be. Absolutely. So I'm thankful for what you've done. I'm very appreciative of you coming on my podcast. I, I say this to almost all my my uh, guests. We're probably going to have, have to have a part two. I'd love to have <laughs> a part this. two. We can talk about some of that uh, West Coast punk, hardcore yeah, punk. All, all I'm day. I'm a big fan too. I'm, what, yeah. We can get a little music, got a little West Coast hardcore, New York. I'm a big New York hardcore fan. Absolutely. Huge New York Me hardcore too. fan. Late like, 70s, early 80s, CBGBs, Maxis, Kansas uh, City, all that. Yeah. yeah. Sick of it all is my favorite band. Oh, excellent. excellent. By far. Yes. By far. But we. I'm a bad brains guy myself. I feel it, man. Yeah. Bad brains. All oh, their legends. Yeah. Anyway, we got to wrap it up. Thank you, Mr. Kidd. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity and keep on defending Warren. Defend Warren.